Well, 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 hello there. Nope, don't like that either. Still trying to find a good, solid signature salutation, something that's uniquely my own, but not too dorky, and I still haven't found it yet. Welcome! This is Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host, David Almeida. This is the podcast where I, an actor in Orlando, Florida, sit down with a friend of mine from the Orlando arts community. We watch an episode of The Facts of Life, and then we talk about the show. A lot, lot of talk about the show and other stuff, too. My guest this week is Michael Wanzee. I have known Michael for over 20 years. He has been in the arts community here for a long time. He is an actor, a writer, director, teacher, producer, dancer, choreographer, ballroom instructor, trivia host, gay activist. He, he, he basically does everything you can think of. And uh, he's also a local film critic best known to Central Florida audiences at large for his Monday movie reviews that he does with Doug Bowser on Real Radio 104.1 on the afternoon talk slot called The Phillips File. The episode that he and I viewed together of The Facts of Life was Season 1, Episode 5, called Overachieving. The original air date was March 12th, 1980. Yes, the first four episodes were broadcast in 79, but now... Here, we are officially in the 80s, and there we are going to stay. So, let's jump on in. This is me with Michael Wanzi. So, hi, Michael Wanzi. Well, hello, David. Thank you for coming to my beautiful home. It is lovely and recording here in your bedroom. What, no, the studio. Shh, oh, the studio. We're in the studio. It this has is... a bed in it. That makes it worse. <laughs> you record your way, I'll record mine. We are in the age of the Me Too movement. Yes. I don't think you should have a bed in your studio. This, okay. Um, inappropriate <laughs> is in the eye of the president. So the deal is... Um, we have just watched season one, episode five, Overachieving. Yes. Wow. Too bad the people who wrote and directed were not overachieving. <laughs> now, before we get into, oh, let, let's start. I, I keep forgetting to do this. I'm going to try to get in the habit now. All right. First thing I do is I ask my guest to synopsize the entire episode in two or three sentences. Like if it was a TV guide entry or a Wikipedia thing. So, Michael Wanzi, what was the plot of Overachieving? The plot is secondary to the fact that it comes off like a bad stand-up comedy routine with (laughs) set-up joke punchline, set-up joke punchline being performed by several people instead of just one person yeah. at a microphone. With seven teenage girls yes. competing to get those yes, laughs. It was, yeah, it was tragically bad, David. Yeah. You liked the show as a youth? You did? Um, this is the season before it gets good. This oh, is the I, slog. Oh, it got good. Yeah. I you... must confess, I'm not... I, I, I think I explained to you earlier that... Um, I missed the '80s on television because of the drugs. I, no, I was. I. I <laughs> for, that's Natalie. That's our friend Natalie. For, for two and a half years, at yeah. the beginning of the '80s, '82, '83, '84, I was on the road with Sesame Street Live, mm-hmm. and we performed every evening uh-huh. in, in an arena, uh-huh. and um, and and we were living in hotels, so there's no way you know, there's nothing on demand, and there. And oh, then yeah. after that, when I came back to Orlando, I was very involved in theater. And so I was either at a rehearsal or being in a show every night. And, you know, it was when VCRs finally came out, they were $1,000. Yeah. So well, I, I didn't remember. have one. I remember, so I never yeah. saw any of this crap. Yeah. it's um, And you are slightly older than I am. Just so slightly. Just slightly. Ever, just barely. Barely, by a, a minute over or two. A decade. <laughs> But um, similarly, for me, you know, shows about shows that were popular in the '90s. For me, I'm like, I don't. Those are after my time. It seems right. like that because you were having sex every night. And uh, <laughs> wish, God, I wish. In my 20s, I was doing the same thing. I was, you know, struggling mm-hmm. to make a living. I right. was moving to Florida. I was working in corporate job and doing shows. And I was a Tupperware lady for part of the '80s. And were some, you? And the parties were at night. So yeah. Uh huh. The drugs must have been. <laughs> The, the rails of coke, at the Wanzi Tupperware do you parties. Want to know the, do you want to know the truth, honestly? <laughs> Uh-oh, confession, go. Honestly, I got into a situation with a bunch of 
matronly <laughs> women who kept booking parties after parties after parties because, like, you know, they used to tell the Tupperware ladies, offer to bring the cake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I offered to bring swamp juice, which is what I, I don't know where I came up with the name, but I, I and, and I would bring a batch of mixed cocktails. And <laughs> the women would come to the Tupperware party primarily <laughs> To drink, and I would do very little Tupperware demonstrations. Oh my god! And um, and they would get drunk and buy out the store, and that's how I became I, a top selling Tupperware lady. I <laughs> love that. That's amazing. It's absolutely true. I, I used to I set up the Tupperware and had it on display. Yeah, but then the and cocktails. You know, well, the cocktails number one, <laughs> and then number two, uh, there were little prizes. You know, you play a game. Have you ever mm-hmm. been to a Tupperware party? Not really. No. Oh, there's always a game, yeah. and you win prizes. And the prizes are oh. made by Tupperware, but they're things you can't buy, so you can only oh. win them. Okay, and they're so. little cocktails. Tchotchke things, yeah. like like a miniature Wonderlier bowl that's really a keychain, and you can open it up and put a butt a pot. Yeah, I, you know. I've seen the trinkets. Yeah, I yeah. know. I so feel like, those trinkets. Yeah, so I've I would seen those. I come up with an alternative use for every trinket there was, and did like a stand up comedy routine of uh-huh. showing the the Tupperware trinkets and have you know instead of the knife holder, it was a pair of false teeth and I mean false lips, mm-hmm. and um, instead of an olive spoon to get the last olive out of the bottom of the jar, it was a Coke snorter that sort of. <laughs> <laughs> the tea bag depressor was a diaphragm holder and so on and so forth. Uh, <laughs> so I would do that while people, while the ladies drank. And then when I got done with the game, I would say, you've all been to Tupperware parties before. You know the line. I'm not going to bore you with I, the president. Yeah. There it is. Here's the order for him. Have another drink. Yeah. Quality yeah. is there. Lifetime yep. guarantee. Yep. There's, that's yeah. That. Yeah. That is amazing. I'm sorry. That was a tangent. No, that's that's exactly <laughs> what I want. That's that is all the everything's that I want this show to be. That is. So that's awesome. why I didn't. That's why I didn't ever see Tootie and Snooty and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the '80s. The other thing is that doing that type of humor that was scandalous at the time. I'm sure when well, you were doing humor about diaphragms. Oh, and I thought you were talking sex. about the, the, no, the no, show. Not, I'm not like, the what, facts what, of what life. No, I'm saying is that. Uh, you know, your brand of humor, for those who don't know Michael Wanzi, his humor is, uh, to put it mildly, colorful. Right. And um, I can imagine you with a bunch of housewives well, if in you the will, 80s. If you'll allow me, I have one more thing that, that, to okay, piggyback sure, on yeah. what you just said. I mean, we couldn't say bitch on television until, no, no, like, right, 87. Right. Yes. It's like, so yes. I'm... Um, I, I wasn't the highest selling Tupperware lady in... I, I was one of only two in Florida. Wow. The only only one in the Central Florida division. And I wasn't the highest selling because I didn't have that many parties because I was doing theater and this is how I was supplementing my income. So I was limited as to how many parties I could give. Yeah. But I had the the highest sales per guest at the party. Oh. Because of the the with cocktails the, and the everything. Cocktails yeah. and comedy. So um, normally they, they have the big thing called the Jubilee every year down at Tupperware International. Uh-huh. And they bring in managers from all over the world the to attend these things. The Jubilee. Yes, yes. yes. And um, <laughs> only managers get to attend. Well, I wasn't a manager, but I was invited to attend one year to uh-huh. give a seminar on how it is my sales were so Oh, high how you can person. do it too? Right. Oh. So, and, and <laughs> I accepted. It was a big deal because I wasn't a manager. And um, and then one day at our, our local sales rally, they asked me to get up and do what I was going to do at the at the Jubilee. And, um, you know, I I, love, I had I, I thought, well, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to leave out the part about where I applied them with alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not going to mention that. But certainly what I do with the, the little toys that you win is entertaining. So yeah. I give my oh. little demonstration you know with a, there was a <laughs> there was a serrated plastic knife that was a tomato slicer yeah. that I, I said it was a hemorrhoid scraper <laughs> and all these different things so i got done and these the women they're oh. falling off their chairs laughing and then and about <laughs> three days later there's no email back then in the mail mm. i got a letter disinviting me from the <laughs> from That's, the jubilee <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> It was, I, I, I try to impart on my younger friends how different comedy was, how, you know, in this, yeah. it, it, we are beyond anything goes, you know, not right. just from, you know, scripted media, it's, it's spilling over into politics and everything, and we don't need to go there right now, mm-hmm. but it's the fact that it's any type of 
anything can be said for comedic purposes. But in the 80s, you still, I mean, you know, Joan Rivers saying bitch on television right. mm -hmm. was kind of a thing everyone had to mm -hmm. inhale for and wait for the fallout. Well, why? And, it's why All in the Family was probably the quintessential comedy of the decade mm -hmm. or decades because they went right up to that yeah. line and it was and, so earth shattering. Yeah, and dropped a couple of goddamns. They yeah. had a couple of points, yeah. and there's one, um, the, the one about the, the, the draft dodger who's at dinner. And Archie goes on a tirade. He screams. And at one point, um, he says, I'm not talking about the war. I'm sick and tired of talking about the rotten damn war. That's what you hear right. in the rerun. If you right. watch, it was looped in it, later. He says, it, goddamn, goddamn war. war. And I'm pretty sure that and the it, first broadcast might have had it. And they went, okay, we can't no. do that again. Wow, wow, yeah. And there is another funny routine where they, they go head on, where... He's with Edith, looks up, and he says, ah, God damn it. And she's Archie. And he's like, hey, hey, no. Okay, you got your two words. You got your God and you got your damn. Both in the Bible. And he gives a beautifully yeah. stupid Archie Bunker speech on why God okay damn is a God perfectly damn. beautiful yeah. thing to say. I learned that it is not the hard way, being from Massachusetts, where we say GD like it is the word the. Right, exactly. And yeah. then I moved to Florida and came in contact with some Christians mm -hmm. and I realized, oh, yeah. you don't drop the GDs down oh, here. Believe me, the transition <laughs> was bad. I'm from Connecticut oh. and, and ethnic neighborhoods. And I didn't realize when I moved down here, I, I had no conception mm -hmm. that, um, that there was anything wrong with uh, openly telling jokes about anyone based on ethnic stereotypes. Oh. It was just what was commonly done yeah. in school, oh, yeah. in parties, in social oh, yeah. situations, and oh, yeah. among adults. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that WAP was not a nice word to call an Italian. Yeah. They were uh, I had they were my WAP friends or my Guinea friends. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I was Polish and never once in my life did I take offense to a dumb Polak joke. They yeah. were told all the time and Irish were drinkers and Jews were cheap and yeah. and had, and it was it hit me like a ton of bricks when I moved down here and yeah. people started being appalled at my crudeness when I just <laughs> thought I was being hip. Yeah. We, that's it. And that's yeah. and and that's very again, that's very northern. <clears throat> that's a very yeah. northern sensibility that I, I too had to mm -hmm. quickly adjust and I, I do quickly change it over to G D yeah. when I if yeah. I talk about it I'll say G D as opposed to goddamn because it I, I was not raised with any religion. I've mm -hmm. never was taken to church. There's no religious, there's no blasphemy. No, no, exactly. I'm not blaspheming no. against any there is nothing to blaspheme. Right. In in my realm world that yep. realm, it's just, oh, goddamn it is just an interjection mm -hmm. when it's like, ah like the same way you say shit, you know? And uh, yeah. Anyway, that was another lovely yeah. tangent. Yes, there you are. I love these tangents. Um <laughs> So uh, before we start in the episode, we just skim the surface. Tell me, what did bring you to Florida? What brought me to Florida? Yeah. Oh, uh, very specifically Walt Disney World and, and the need to get out of my hometown. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. If, um, if anyone saw my biographical show at Fringe last year, it was one Z with a Z, and it tells the story. And basically, I dropped out of high school uh, just a few days after my 17th birthday in my sophomore year. And ran away, to, mm -hmm. literally ran away to Florida to work at Disney. Um, I, I I was in love with um, Walt Disney, the man, and then with the concept of Disneyland. And, I, and after going to the World's Fair in New York and seeing the Disney attractions there, I made up my mind. I would move to California and work at Disneyland. Uh -huh. Then in the meantime, they announced that... Florida was opening, and that was easier to get to than California. And uh, Damn, so Eastern this, Airlines. So this is where I ran away too. Yes, with wow. seventy dollars in my pocket, my ten-speed bike in a box on Eastern Airlines. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And what year was that? Nineteen seventy-four. Okay, so yep. Disney, Disney opened in Walt 71. Disney World was three yep. years old. Yeah. It was Magic Kingdom, contemporary. Polynesian. Polynesian and... The um, Golf Resort, which is now Shades of Green. Golf Resort. <laughs> and... Um, Fort Wilderness Campground. And Fort Wilderness. About 30 camps at the time. <laughs> I, I came here in 78. February of 78 was my first time. And that was always here. We stayed at the Contemporary. It was exciting. Disney opened October 71, February of 72, just uh -huh. months later. Took my first trip here on a vacation that I planned and orchestrated 
uh, with myself, my grandfather, and a cousin. And uh, we stayed at the Contemporary Hotel, and my father was appalled that we would uh, that we had agreed to pay thirty nine dollars a night for a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> that was in the days of Motel Six. Where yeah. The and six meant six dollars. Six dollars. Yeah. And and the and it's like and what you're paying that much money when you get to go into the park for free. You, if you if you didn't buy tickets to the rides. You got into it, Disney World it for was free. Two dollars. It was two dollars and fifty cents. Oh, oh it was. The general okay. general admission was two fifty for the first uh, couple of years. By the time I came to work here in seventy five, it was five dollars. Okay, I didn't. So you could realize so, that. Yeah, so you you did pay to go in yeah. very slight amount, but there were plenty of free attractions. Oh, Monsanto's God. America the Beautiful was free, and yeah. eventually Eastern Airlines, if you had wings, was free. So there were free things, and then your ABCD tickets, and I love the fact that there were literally ticket booths scattered around the park. I remember ran, them. I remember When you so ran out well. of your paper ones from the book, you had to buy little ones that almost are, they looked almost like what you get on a roll now at uh, Office Depot, that kind of yeah. ticket with just a letter on yeah. it. And you bought them for cash at the window. To, and yeah. and they sold them, in, in even back then Disney was shrewd, they sold them in books where it's like, okay, I just want to go on Space Mountain. You can't have That's an right. e-ticket ride. Can I please purchase one e-ticket? Well, you can get an e-ticket in this booklet that contains two A tickets, three right. B tickets, a C and a D, and that will cost you another five dollars. Right, and so it is the one thing that still is an issue at Disney because while people thought that may have thought that was archaic, the brilliant thing about the ticket book was that it dispersed the crowds. Mm-hmm. After you bought the book, you weren't going to let the A ticket go to waste, nope. so you did. Go on, carousel, on the carousel, progress, or the Main Street Cinema. Yeah, you know? oh, and totally. Right, yeah, yeah. No, that's that is yeah. that's smart. That was an early proto fast pass. Yeah. yeah. So um, I I just wanted to know because I'm always curious what brings people to Florida. We'll talk about your uh, artistic body of work. Let's save that for the commercial break. Why don't we? All right. And let's launch into right now okay. overachieving. Yes. The Facts of Life, a show that you had not really watched, and so this was your first exposure to. And your awareness of the show clearly was not of this early season. No, no, there were girls in it I never saw before. I, I, you know, in reruns, I've seen pieces of episodes. I honestly don't think I ever watched an entire episode from beginning to end. Mm-hmm, I, yeah. I knew who Mrs. Garrett was. That hair oh, is just it, like it's a, a building it, permit. It is a drag it? queen's hair. <laughs> And when you, when you look at it, when you see the back angles of how many pins have to be in it, mm-hmm. it's like I... And she's got like a little Mickey Mouse thing going on from behind. There's from like behind. two buns and back there. And she think, always... And in season two, wolfed. she loses weight at the beginning of season two. And it's like her hair, her body and her hair deflates too. Oh, oh her hair It's goes really down. bizarre. <laughs> the, the first few episodes of season two, you can tell they're like, how do we do her hair now? Right. We've always been doing this big poofy thing to give her height uh-huh. and to make her size look more proportional. Well, that is drag queen envious. Yeah, it hairdo. absolutely. It is amazing. So we start the show. I'm going to point out this is the first episode where we get a little intro music. Before, oh. we used to just fade in to the show. Oh. But this is the first episode now, With episode five. Uh, no, as in... Oh, 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 the, 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 like the rejoin. The exterior shot of the school right. before we go to the interior shot. Mm-hmm. Before it was just interior shot. And then and then they quickly abandoned that again for season two. Mm-hmm. But that those are the things that always fascinate me about What fascinates me is why you know all this. Well what? this is <laughs> this is why it is good that obsessive compulsive disorder was not diagnosed in the seventies or oh, I would have ended oh. up in an asylum. Oh, okay. Or, um, <laughs> I see. But no, what fascinates me is things like I will say your home. I'd rather your studio is is uh, fastidiously it is, clean and I, orderly. I picked it up. I do pick it up for company. Okay. But um, <laughs> the deal is, my thing is like, who decides, who makes the artistic decision that, you know what, we're going to show an, in- an exterior shot and play a little music in between the scenes. Uh, who makes the decision that, okay, um, at the beginning of Three's Company, it's just going to start, but the credits will be at the tail end while we show some clips of them out on the beach feeding the birds from the opening theme. The, the decision of where to put the credits went, that always to me is so, uh, you know, who among Susan Harris's brood is that we are going to use that font for soap, for Benson, for Golden Girls, mm-hmm. for uh, nurses, for 
empty net. The idea that that font you, you is the You know Susan. that all five of those have that same font. I'm per, I know three of them do. I'm pretty sure yeah, all five of them do. You are, you are a special <laughs> man. But, but that's it. But it's, to me, I, more than I'm, you know, th these are the things I was, I was categorized as an intelligent child. Mm -hmm. And I was in, we were, to, yesterday's episode that I recorded with Mike Marinaccio was the IQ episode. Ah. So Mike and I were talking about IQs and smart. I was one of the smart kids and I had a high IQ. But the thing was, the, the way that manifested itself was me absorbing everything from living in front of the television. That was where right. all those brain cells, certainly not into a cure for cancer or <laughs> neuroscience, <laughs> not for any fucking useful career. Right. Jesus. Anyway, what moving do you on. Do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, the, the original point, intro music happens. We are now four seconds into this episode. Um, and we start, uh, we start with Blair is painting Sue Ellen while everyone Wait a is... minute. I'm looking, you can't see uh, at the, in the home audience, but he has single-spaced, full-page <laughs> notes that fill a tablet. Did you do those while we were watching yeah. that together? Yeah. I just take I just take little cliff notes of the plot so oh, I can remember where we go. I know this show is very complex, Michael. It has well, a lot of. I will say this about it seriously, <laughs> it certainly uh, makes huge um, plot twists with very little support material <laughs> leading up to it, and, and it can be said of it, I think, truthfully, that about five times as much happens in a single episode as an episodic show. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. of course, it's ridiculous because of because how quickly minds are changed and moods are altered. It, that that struck me as being yeah. like just crazy. Well, this is still in the era. This is this is the first show broadcast in 1980. So we are now officially into the 80s, calling this an 80s sitcom. But there there is no uh, A and B story structure. And right. there never is there for never is. the facts just of life, even up to season nine. Line, there is one plot, and it's yeah. like, okay, this is the plot in the story. Now we have to figure out how to get the other characters involved right. in it. As opposed, I mean, and if this, if they did that, this would have been the perfect show to have Sue Ann and Ellen and Sue Ellen and uh, Molly off doing one thing, and right, Tootie yeah. and Natalie doing yeah. something else. And um, you know, no, what, it is it's just one. Like what the Seinfeld writers... One very simple through line, yeah. From the later, the later seasons of Seinfeld. Imagine if you handed them this group of characters and said, okay, right. you make oh something. God, what yeah. they would have come up with right. would have been amazing, right. I'm sure. Uh, as opposed to this, this less than amazingness. Where we start with everyone in the throes of preparation for career day. Mm -hmm. I am going to point out that this is only episode five. Episode one... We had, um, oh God, my memory's already bad. We had some type of a big presentation happening in episode one, a cotillion or something. Episode two, we also had uh, some type of a big public arranged, organized to do that people are preparing for. And it's like, Did wow. either of those things happen outside of <laughs> the, the room? house? Because I, was, I wondered, are there any classrooms in that school? Because <laughs> yeah. career day was held in the living room. Yes, I, you and I both are on the same page. Yes, this was, again, before they had a budget as well. Um, one of them was a cotillion, a dance that did happen, like they went out to the dance oh. and then they came back afterwards. But there was another one that was, um, this is terrible. I'm only five episodes in. I can't mm -hmm. remember five episodes ago. But we're already at the point where the writers are like, okay, well, we have to have some thing happening that everyone is involved in preparing for to give this, you know, this, this, football team of cast members stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the course of it, because it's career day, Blair is painting Sue Ellen. Which Sue we Ann, never we rather. never see that painting though. Instead we see a picture of a football player. Yeah. And it's impressive. Career. And it's a really good yeah. painting. And you're like, okay, uh, among the many sort of spitballing things that are happening in this season is what personalities. We've already established clearly Blair is already the, the snobby rich girl, uh -huh. but they're also trying to portray her as artistic. So we've got her painting, and later she talks about career aspirations to be a great artist and an actress and the president of GM. Mm -hmm. And it's like... Mm. Do you know what the, the actress who's playing her ended up being? Lisa Welchel? Yeah. 
she ended up on Survivor. Oh, did she? In okay. in real life, you mean? Oh, or yeah. In real life, yeah. Beyond this, the facts yes. of life, yeah. She, I mean, Lisa I mean, Welchel. Did, did she have a a career, or did she go from this to a a, a thirty year old uh, um, void, and then she was on Survivor? We. Yeah, we really didn't see... I mean, I'm sure she worked on Littler Things, but we really didn't see much. She never really had another big show like this. Mm -hmm. Not the way, like, you know, you saw Nancy McKeon turn up on a couple of different shows. But, um, no, Lisa Welchel, she... Uh, she ended up being very Christian, like she was big about her religion, her religious. That's why she refused to do the Losing the Virginity episode in season nine. So that's Natalie, who loses her virginity. Originally, they mm-hmm. wanted that to be Blair, and she told the writers, no, and if you do that, write me out of the show. I don't even want to be on the episode, and she's not. Wow. So immediately you and I, as homosexuals, our red flares go up and like, what, what, okay, what is happening there? But I wish you'd asked me if it was all right to mention that on the air. And so, I'm sorry, (laughs) Michael, do you you want me to edit that out? If I I just outed you as a homosexual, I'm very, very sorry. Play this on October 11th. Okay, on coming out day? (laughs) You you got to call your parents first. Yeah. Yeah, when, when we get to your career stuff, we're going to talk that Michael Wanzi is... Jesus place that call. For, <laughs> uh, for all intents and purposes, Michael, you are a professional homosexual. I mean, you really are. <laughs> that makes it sound Rom- like I, I work at it. Which well, I, no, Romanovsky and Phillips used to call themselves that yes. when they would oh my God, co- tour and concert because of their, you know, activism and right. all that was their activism and art was their life mm-hmm. and you are... Yes. Absolutely there. Let's, let's, okay, let's, I want to talk to you more about you, clearly. I can feel this pull, and we keep getting <laughs> yeah, away from no, the I'm show. I'm going to shut up and let you uh, 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 no. discuss your reams of notes. No. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, I'm I organized. wrote three things on a half a sheet of paper. I, I'm an organized He's girl, Mama. Pages. Okay. Oh, Edna, her name is Edna. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, cut, that's, I got that out of okay, it. Okay, well, that's one note then. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, so we have the girls talking about their careers. At one point, Molly brings in a ukulele, and mm-hmm. Mrs. Garrett helps tune it and does a funny little musical, Oh, Mrs. Garrett's a Terrible Singer joke. And um, there's talk of who the speakers are going to be. Natalie's sister, who is a stewardess, and they allude to the fact that, ooh, as a stewardess, you get to meet a lot of handsome guys mm-hmm. and things. And Tootie's father is going to be there. He is an attorney, and so he was going to be talking about the fact that he is a big-time legal advisor to two presidents, mm-hmm. we learn. So we can assume that uh, he... And he lives in Virginia or Washington. And I would... I, I, I'm guessing that having a person of color be cast in that high-profile and mm-hmm. intellectual position was also um, rather forward-thinking for the time, no? Um, I think so. I mean, you know, no. to, to some extent, it was the fact that this is a prep school, this is a girls' prep school, right. so they're not, they're all from well-to-do families. So the fact well, that they'd have... Her, when uh, were the Huxtables on TV? 84. All right, so this predates So this is that, a pre-Huxtable yeah, thing. Um, but yeah, no, you're probably right that there's a thing. And the fact that he's a legal advisor to two presidents, so we have reason to assume we're mm-hmm. talking Ford and Carter. That's and as we, far as we got. We have no indication that he uh, drugged women's drinks and <laughs> raped them. Well, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> he's in jail. Yeah, that's that just happened. Yeah. That's right. And we were, That was just recently going on. Uh, Philip Nolan and I had to refer to the Kavanaugh hearings at one point when we were, when there was like a Me Too moment in an earlier episode. It's like, but that's the fun of it is watching, Mm -hmm. looking at these shows through today's lenses. Um, So, yeah, so two presidents, we assume he was, I would assume an African-American attorney would not be a legal advisor to Nixon. I think that we could probably say that would be a no. Right. So chances are it's Ford and Carter. And and Edna had had a... joke about whether or not if there was a joke about the he meets uh oh you only have every to four years yeah you only have says, to work if, for him. if they last four years yeah, if so they last four years yeah nixon nixon Nixonian nothing like reference. an edgy richard yeah. nixon joke in january yeah. 1980 <laughs> <laughs> so um in the many different things that the tv show throws at these characters and then abandons last week we had 
Mrs. Garrett taking flying lessons and making her first solo flight. If you could see Michael Wanzi's face, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this, this his is face is four episodes. This is the four episodes in. Four episodes in. Suddenly, Mrs. Garrett uh, needed as an allegory for, well, I'm going to be flying solo, and you know, this is what my journey is, and this is how I'm applying it to my wisdom of the girls, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in this one, Mrs. Have you Garrett. Your demographics. Do you need to explain allegory? <laughs> and, <laughs> I'll post it on the website. I'll post it on the website. Um, so Mrs. Garrett is teaching Tootie and Natalie all of these amazing beauty tips. Suddenly, Mrs. Garrett has the knowledge, skill, and authority of a cosmetologist. What does this have to do with taking her first flight? Or we're back to this episode. We're back to this episode oh, now. Oh. What I'm saying is she was a pilot last episode. Now suddenly oh, this episode, I see. I see. We, okay. we are finding, we are suddenly being told that Mrs. Garrett suddenly knows everything about, about facials yes. and manicures and how to do hair. Well, clearly mm-hmm. she knows about hair. And keeping nails from cracking. That and, was a big point. And that how was made. to tease up hair yeah. within an inch of its mm-hmm. damn life. But, you know, Tootie and Natalie are learning from her. And pretty much we can kind of plow through this scene is that uh, in the course of the girls talking about their career aspirations, Tootie says, I want to be a beautician. And Tootie's dad is like, uh, no, you are not. I'm not sending you to a private girl's school for this expense. And both of your parents are attorneys. And I'm here on career day. And you're not going to tell me your career is going to be he a ref- lowly. He refers to Mrs. Uh, what's her name? Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett is <gasps> a domestic. Domestic. He calls her a house... Keeper. Keeper. And Mr. Bradley corrects him and says, she's a house mother. And he says, well, either or, she's a domestic. And I was like, what? Mm. Thankfully, he then steps steps up a notch and says, my mother was a domestic. She was a housekeeper at a hotel. A chambermaid. A chambermaid Mm -hmm. to put our kids through. So it was like, okay, good. So this is a thing where we're not trying to completely turn the tables of racial stuff right, with yes. a black man calling a white woman <clears throat> right. disparagingly a domestic. Right. Not that that, hey, to e- right, equality. Right. Go for it, brother. Um, Molly sings a song to remind us that she was Annie on Broadway, <laughs> right, I believe, yes. briefly. Um, so Molly sings a song that's kind of um, uh, uneventful and mm-hmm. unmemorable. And... Uh, Mr. Bradley stammers through... Oh, so then Mr. Bradley is told by Mr. Ramsey, 2D's dad, I think that that Mrs. Garrett is a bad influence and I want her staying away from my daughter. The woman you pay to chaperone all of these girls, I want her to stay away from my one mm-hmm. daughter. Right. So Mr. Bradley has the, un, the thankless news of having to inform Mrs. Garrett of this. And... Um, Which I just thought it was interesting that you know, his solution was to get her to not be, have any influence over his daughter when they lived together in the same yeah. house. And then eventually take her out of the school. I know I'm getting ahead of you, no. but but as opposed to just moving her to a different dorm situation. Yeah. But where we she don't... wouldn't have a hairdresser influence. I know, but the thing is, we don't really know that there are other dorms in Eastland. Are these possibly the only students Uh, at the school? These are the only ones we see. There were, I was looking, there were some extras. On career day, there were some extra bodies in the the back. One Mm -hmm. of them, I noticed, African-American, bravo. Uh Um, But yeah, there's... It's that constant. When career day came, by the way, did you notice that there were only two people speaking the only, the, to the, <laughs> the, the they mentioned? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all the here's a rundown of all the speakers. Right. And they a mentioned two. and a lawyer. And there are two. <laughs> we're talking budget first season of a spinoff sitcom here. So uh, yeah. What so, was it a spinoff of? Uh, different strokes. Did you not know this? No, no. In, in the first season of Different Strokes, Mrs. Garrett was the housekeeper. Before they added, uh, but what? So what? I guess I think um, I thought they were the same show. What's different strokes? Different strokes is. <laughs> I told you I didn't see TV <laughs> then. Different strokes is uh, Arnold and Willis. Arnold is little Gary Coleman. Oh what yeah. You're talking about Willis? Yeah. Okay. That is where. Um, and he lives two, with the white father. Right. Two yes. African American boys. I think their and mother had she, been the and maid. And she's the housekeeper on that? I think their mother was the housekeeper and she died and he promised he would take care of the boys. So he eventually, he has a daughter, Kimberly. Kimberly goes to Eastland, allegedly. So this is his daughter's oh, school. So she plays the same role as she did in Different Strokes. 
Uh, yes, Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett. In the first season of Different Strokes, Mrs. Garrett is the house, the oh, new housekeeper. Well, who knew that coming to your bedroom would be such an education? I know. But most people walk out of here confused and less informed. Um, I hope so, it, I don't I don't lose what little fans I might have because of my ignorance about Different Strokes. <laughs> I know you've got a rep to keep up, Lonzi. <laughs> what is that? So I want to point out these are again. You're already, you've been giving me enough crap for my OCD about this show. That when Mrs. Garrett is like, well, who's the bad influence? It's not Nancy. It's not Blair. It wouldn't be Tootie. Or, uh, finally, she goes, it's not me. And she looks and she goes, it's me. And then the audience in a clearly dubbed in sweetened right. soundtrack, you hear the, ooh. The, the laugh track is phenomenally horrible. And Philip Nolan said that too. And I'm. I'm not 100% sure that this isn't a laugh track or this isn't just an audience that's been warmed up within an inch of its life. Oh, no, honey. They may, they may be recording an audience, but they're, pl- they're dropping those sounds in. Yeah. No. Now, you know, Philip mentioned it, and I, I sort of... I don't want to crush your bubble. I know this is important to you. Uh, well, I know. It is. <laughs> I, don't you destroy my no. illusions. Um, the thing I brought up to Philip Nolan was, did you ever watch Barney Miller? Yes, do you remember that was dubbed in laughs mm-hmm. in a three camera sitcom? To right. me, those laughs had a hollow, echoey artificiality mm-hmm. that I don't hear here. It could be a technological advance. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Well, it is a very technologically advanced show. <laughs> <laughs> and TV was I mean, awful at the time. T- NBC. I, they were nominated for special effects for that hairdo, weren't they? <laughs> Rick Baker, before he did American Werewolf in London, did Mrs. Garrett's hair. That's a little shout-out for my horror makeup fans. Oh, Lord. Um, so, we go to commercial. The dramatic... No, no, we're not at commercial yet. Uh, then Mrs. Garrett is setting up the chairs for career day, and Tootie's like, Mrs. Garrett, what's the next thing you're going to teach me since you're my mentor with all this beauty stuff? And Mrs. Garrett has to be, oh, well, I... I, I just can't. I'm. She's trying to avoid her and stuff. And Tootie's like, what is up with that? And this was the point when I first noted, she's setting up chairs for career day. I thought, they're having career day in the that's fucking exactly living room I, of the girls' dorm? Exactly what I thought. But that's, that's par for the course. It's very typical in this show where it's like, we have one set, we're going to use it. Um, so Mrs. Garrett resists. Um, Tootie... Walks away confused. Very bad jokes about eyebrow plucking in that oh, section. Eyebrow but... plucking and looking like Mr. Right. Spock. Tootie goes up the stairs in her roller skates. I do not believe oh. an actress would be asked to do that. You, uh, People who know the show do not know this, Michael, is that Kim Fields, they say she's 12 in the show. She's actually 10. But Kim Fields was probably one of the most decorated actresses and one of the most experienced of all the girls because she did so many commercials and you see she's good yeah um so they wanted her so badly for the show but they're like she's and and she's tiny she's not just young she's tiny so what's the other thing too what what school would put all those different aged girls together in the same dorm so that you have some people at the height of sexual activity uh, and (laughs) others just going through puberty and others prepubescent. And and there are some scenes where, for convenience, they have a classroom where all of them are in it. Together? Yes! Yes! Thank you! And we're, that, I haven't encountered that episode yet, but I know it's coming. So, yeah, this is one of those sitcoms where we're just doing what we have to do. Maybe I didn't just miss this in the 80s. Maybe I chose not to (laughs) watch it it after I saw that episode with the, I mean, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. You understand that there's going to be different ages because there are only 12 kids in the town. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Of course, yeah. That's, (laughs) I never thought of that. So we have an, a six-year-old who knows Shakespeare yeah. and an 18-year-old <laughs> yeah, right, right. who still can't write his name. Um, so with that, Mrs. Garrett setting up for the clearly career day happening in the dorm, um, Blair and Sue Ann show up and they're like, something's wrong with you, Mrs. Garrett. And it has something to do with Tootie, doesn't it? And Mrs. Garrett, in what I would venture to say is a little inappropriate, says to the girls, yeah, I... I'm having a problem because Tootie's dad wants me and to stay away from her. And then completely divulges what a father said to her in private consultation, right? Yeah. She would have been fired today. Yeah. And, and the idea of you're the, you're the elder, you don't burden secrets 
on mm-hmm. the other people because you know that's going to get back to Tootie right, and course. stuff like that. So that's that's a very that's very off brand for Mrs. Garrett. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that's not very good. Um, but the girls do help her to the girls do bolster her and say, but why, how could you come on? You're Mrs. Garrett. You're not a bad, how could you be? And she's like, you know what? You're right. Fuck that and dude. Just about how quickly it happens. And this complete change of yeah. attitude and course. And then he and walks whatnot. in, I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what she said, right. but, but he overhears he, it. He overhears, but it, just before he walks in, the scene is in a bedroom and uh, she comes in with this big tray full of cupcakes and cocoa mm-hmm. and tells them all that there's one cupcake each and help themselves to cocoa. And the scene continues. And then eventually all the girls leave and not one of them having had a cup of cocoa no. or a cupcake. No. So I'm uh, exactly. have no idea what that was all about. Uh, the, Mr. Bradley like she, has one of the she cups. She couldn't just walk in the room. She had to come in with that tray of Stuff that nobody touches. Yeah, well, because Mr. Bradley has one <laughs> yes, of the cups, he and does, he yeah, kind of yeah. hides behind it. Right. In the this is the the scene right before he has to try to mm-hmm. tell Mrs. Garrett what Mr. Ramsey wants. And uh, wow, calling a man Mr. Ramsey in this day and age, wow. <laughs> I um, so, uh, Mr. Ramsey and Mrs. Garrett go head to head. It it doesn't escalate too much, other than he's like, you know what? I've been rethinking this. I'm just going to take her out of the school. And commercial break. Dum, dum, dum. Mm-hmm. And I believe, is there still another, ooh, dubbed in? No, I think so. Pages more. You might would think what? this episode I have was one a page more. 90 minute pilot. How but it dare was only you? Half an hour How long. dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you? And I was going to take a commercial <laughs> break and talk about you and your art. Well, we still no, are. Just, just, I ne- never imagined when you explained to me what this is all about that you would actually. <laughs> Well, do I, most of the dialogue from start to finish. I'm, I did the dialogue. I'm writing notes, and here's the deal. I'm trying to be a gracious host, so I didn't. I didn't want to burden you with well, remembering goodness, the plot. No, I, I, but you're, you're so this is this is me trying to carry that. some weight. Okay, and and having mm-hmm. notes here. Um, so so let's uh, go to commercial. Let's take uh, just a couple minutes and, and other talk kids about ask you for your notes in school. And yeah, no, they. If we were in a group, I was the one who wrote them because yeah, I wrote them yeah. fast and neat. Yeah, I'm looking. Yep. I, it's legible. And, yeah, that was my thing. Lines, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind it's of a, a thing. It's it's unfortunate. (laughs) Untreated mental illness, ladies and gentlemen, this is where it can get you. And that qualifies you to be a citizen of Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And and a podcast author. (laughs) Uh, So, Michael Wanzi, you are a a writer. Oh, a don't producer, let me pull you from an your, actor, the, your, all your a director. No, no, no. Yeah. We're at our commercial. No. Break. Oh, this is. This is oh, this. Is, oh, when you said, I didn't even understand that. This is the you commercial break of the came show. On, you know, I'll talk. We'll talk more about you during the commercial. I right. thought you meant. Okay, yeah. you're going to go to a commercial, and you and I are going to talk about me. That's no. odd. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, you are a mess. Um, no, no. I'm not Meaning even drinking. During the commercial, and that's uh, yeah. that's saying a lot for you. I know, this but late in the day. It's, it's, uh, it's, three, it's 3.15 in the afternoon. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Hurry up. i got to get to happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, meaning during the commercial break, this is the equivalent of the hemorrhoid cream commercial now. But we're going to talk about you instead. Okay. Oh, um, so you are Thank a writer you for that lovely segue. Actor, director, producer, uh, film critic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a personality that people hear on the radio all the time. Coming to an end very soon. Is it really you or or the show? Next week will be our 21st year anniversary. Doug and I have been doing the Monday Movie Review, Monday Movie Review with Wanzi and Doug on the Philosopher for 21 years as of Holy next week. Shit. I remember when it started. And Jim is retiring and the show is going off the air. Okay, I wondered if it was Before Christmas, yeah. Yeah, he's, because I I know he's been around. I've lived in Florida 25, Mm -hmm. 25 years. Yes. And so it's like, uh, you know, that is a staple. The Phillips file. He had just just settled into that afternoon slot that mm-hmm. would become his yeah. his gravy train and right. the the place where he was always so awesome this is this is on uh, Orlando's Real Radio 104.1 yes. all uh, a very renegade if you want to tune in for the last <clears throat> yeah. couple of months <laughs> but no a, a very renegade thing where they were an FM station and they were bought out by somebody and they went let's go all talk yep. on FM that was not a thing and no one really has 
emulated it since. No, that's true. And it's been surprisingly successful, though right. part and, of the time they yeah. go oldies, don't and they? And it's a, uh, ju- just just a late nights and, and on weekends. Weekends, but, yeah. Um, it... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's that his particular show is the most uh, uh, listened to um, non nationally. You know, this is not yeah, non. Not, he's not not, not yeah. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, yeah, right, or, right, right, yeah, or Don uh, Imus or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so the most listened to in the state of Florida, and um, uh, he's uh, he's got us on during the five o'clock drive hour, which is most listened to hour of the broadcast day in yeah. Central Florida. So we talk. We're talking to huge numbers you, you of, reach of people in Brown. Wide um, audience. Yes. So it's been yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> it, you know, it's been great for Doug's in my career, especially um theatrically wise. We we don't spend a lot of money advertising for our shows when we do them because mm-hmm. we have the uh, that uh, a, pla- a platform. Yeah. And um vis a vis our being on that show, I I I we're pro- I, I really feel we're responsible collectively for probably attracting probably 10,000 people to Fringe that wouldn't otherwise oh, never have come. I, I would say so too, the, yeah. The Orlando Fringe Festival. Yeah, that's and, a big um, crossover because yeah. Phillips is, mm-hmm. again, very liberal, uh, but at the same time, it is so different when you hear an actual gay person, not a gay-friendly person right. who is clearly a guy and he's got, you know, he's Jim Phillips with his big booming radio right. voice thing. But when you have an actual gay person on the radio and uh, that's what that symbolizes what that reaches that's a whole different thing right and and he really is probably the greatest straight ally to the gay community this Mm -hmm. city has ever had because Mm -hmm. when when he brought doug and i on 21 years ago it was absolutely unheard of in this market to have openly gay people on the on the radio yeah and the um the the movie review was was more or less a, a device an excuse for having us on yeah. and the movie review over time became less and less of the 20 minutes or so we're on the air and and more of just a springboard to talking about our our lives as Stuff gay people and, and gay culture yeah in Orlando i mean recently uh last year as a matter of fact come out with pride um gave jim a uh, sort of a lifetime Achievement oh. Award that was presented at the Walt Disney Amphitheater yeah. during the Pride Rally. I, I got the honor of introducing him. Um, and uh, it's funny because he's received many, many, many awards and honorariums. And um, he has said on multiple occasions that um, he's, when asked what he thinks he has been the most instrumental as far as making change in Orlando goes, he always cites his association with Doug and I and how that brought him, or not that he wasn't yeah. completely on board with gay rights, but he had no personal touchstone training gay to we came on. And he's very forthright about that, and he mentioned that in his acceptance speech. And now that he's preparing to retire, um, he has said that um, that getting that award is the proudest moment of his broadcast oh. history, the award from Come Out With Pride. That is so yeah. Yeah. awesome. I did not realize that. Yeah. And uh, I used to listen to him all the time before I got into podcasts mm-hmm. and my uh, getting stuck in my phone and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it was he is the three to seven block. So Correct. if you want to listen to talk radio when you're mm-hmm. in the rush yes. hour and there's a lot of traffic yeah. here. And you, you want to talk about power of radio or the power of changing minds that, you know, I mentioned the insulation people coming yeah, to that. You yeah, you had... <laughs> My my landlord's having insulation put in the house, and the the man the two men came, and the one man's looking around, and um, he's looking at everything on my walls and all my show posters and everything mm-hmm. on the wall, and um, uh, and he, I was working at my computer, and he said, "You're you're are, you're you're Wanzi," and I said, "Yes," and anyway, we got to talking, and he ended up telling me a story about how he was, uh, that he was ashamed to admit that he was at one time horribly homophobic to the oh. point of hating gay people. Mm. And um, he asked me whether or not it was a real thing or whether it was something orchestrated for the radio when one day I called in to Monsters, mm-hmm. to the Monsters show with yeah. Russ Rollins. And this is, now we're going back 
probably 18 years now, maybe 17 years. But we'd been on the Phillips file for a couple, three years, and and I was listening to the monsters. And um, we had done some crossover promotional events with them. And And they were the morning, right? Monsters, Monsters and they were the morning block for the commute into work. Yes. Yes. And Bubba Whoopass Wilson was playing one of his parodies, mm-hmm. and it was written to It's a Small World, but it was about <gasps> taking a ba- baseball bat with you to Gay Days in the Magic Kingdom and and yeah, and hitting. I remember facts. that he he sings he he sings as RuPaul, doesn't he? Uh, I, no, uh, I don't know. What, it's a gay I, world. Bite yes, yes, my yeah, ass. Yes, it's a, a gay but, world. Bite my. I think he. I think he but, imitates yeah, disparagingly I, imitates but, RuPaul. But he may have rewritten. Oh, okay. It, I mean, this was literally about taking a baseball bat and hitting gay people yeah. as you, you know, yeah. as they went by on an omnibus or something. Damn. I don't know. And uh, and I was so appalled. I have the I have the what's called the hotline. I have the number yeah. to go directly to the producer. And I called it and I said, "You put me on the f- fucking air right now." Good. And they put me on the air, and I was like, Russ Rollins. I mean, I was like, um, I said, uh, Bubba, I said, are we not friends? That Have we not become friends over the past couple of years with our... My, so he's like, yes. And anyway, I just completely called him on the carpet about it, and at first, he actually thought I was joking. Like, he uh. couldn't understand that I couldn't see the humor in it. And and he then he says, well, Michael wants to, you know, you make fun of people. I said... I said, Mm-mm. all of, I said, I make fun of a lot of that. I said, but where I draw the line is, is when you actually suggest that someone is less of a human being than someone else. Yeah. And that therefore violence might be okay. Now, you may think it's a parody, but you know your demographic and yeah. you know the, 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 it's, it's working class people who listen to your show. Yeah. It's a lot of un, uneducated people who are listening to your show. Not, not necessarily uneducated as, as not being intelligent, but not necessarily having a, yeah. a, a big world yeah, experience. Un, unenlightened. Yeah. And, yeah. Not and, unsophisticated. And, yeah. and anyway, I launched into a tirade and, and was very emotional. And on the air, he said, Oh, oh my God. He goes, I, he goes, not only did I not realize that you weren't kidding, and he goes, but I absolutely get what you're saying, and I'm sorry, and I'll never play that song again, and he never did. Yeah. Anyway, this man comes to the house to put insul- insulation in the this attic. This morning. And yes, and tells yes, and tells me that he was listening to the radio that day, and it, uh, that that changed his entire began the beginning of him realizing what an asshole he'd been his whole life. And then he started listening to the Phillips Files specifically to hear Doug and I after hearing me do that phone call on the monsters. And he just, and he said he spent all this time thinking that that whole thing was scripted and contrived to make a point. And I assured him it absolutely was not. And, And he said, so, he said, so, Bubba Webster Wilson really had that change of heart right there live on the yeah. and I said yes, and he said, "Well, I did too." And he goes, "And he goes, it's it's fifteen years in coming, but thank you." Oh my god, yeah. that yeah. is crazy. Yeah, but that's that's and you you hear stuff like that from people who it's simply a matter of people hate us because they don't know us. That's right, and yes. it's one of those. Well, I I don't know any gay people. It's like yes, you do. But they clearly aren't comfortable right. being gay yeah. or telling you that they're gay. Yeah. You know, well, there's no gay people in my family. Yes, mm-hmm. there are. Yeah. I assure you, there yeah. are gay people. And so much of uh, the evolution of our movement has simply been, you know, what some people say is being in your face. And, mm-hmm. you know, why do they have to flaunt it and stuff? And we're just like, right. yeah. no, we're just showing you that we're here. Yeah, exactly. And now yeah. 20 years on, right. easily 20, 21 years on from mm-hmm. Ellen DeGeneres coming out. On her sitcom, twenty-one years ago, that right. same year, same year, same year, twenty-one yes. years ago. Um, so it was a hotbed at that time with all of it. And you think we're at the point now where it was just simply the getting to know us. But right. the step, the getting to know us, couldn't happen until we stepped forward and said, "We are here." Right, and, and, and we here, exist. Right, which of course, you know, Gay Day at the Magic Kingdom has made huge strides. The stories I can yes. tell you from when I work for them, but but not not anything to do with. Doug and I in particular, mm-hmm. it could have been any two 
gay people. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, no, is you. that there's a tremendous um, debt owed by the gay community to Jim Phillips Agreed. for having yes. for having the balls <clears throat> to put two open yeah. gay people on the air. Not not that it was Doug and I. Yeah. I'm not taking credit for that. Yeah. It it, it was his decision and his willingness yeah. to do that that has made a huge difference in how the gay community is perceived in this market. I, I totally agree. And the fact that he chose you, I mean, you have always been beyond unapologetic. You have mm-hmm. always been, you are one of the most militant activists that I have, that I'm aware of in this community, as far as people who stand up and are like, no, you, where you're the one that says, oh, that song is bad. I'm going to have to talk to Bubba about it. No, you picked up the phone and you went, get me on the air now. <laughs> that is, that is quintessential Michael Wanzi right that's there. And that's, said. you know, well, that's an important thing is that, um, you are a subject of controversy. Not everybody mm-hmm. agrees with everything Correct. that you say or that you do. That comes with the territory. Right. But the fact is that no one can take away from the fact that, from the visibility standpoint, the fact that you have always stood up, way. not just for yourself, but for us. <laughs> you what? The visibility standpoint. Oh, stop. <laughs> always with the weight jokes. I tell ya. That's very sweet. Thank you, David. Let's and get back to Edna. Yes. No. <laughs> let's get back to Mrs. Garrett. Um, so, uh, Tootie and friends are in the bedroom. They're sad because Tootie is packing her stuff. She's gone and she's out of here. And they're like, how do we, uh, how do we change this? Natalie, in her sadness, gives Tootie the blonde wig that her mom sent to help for them to practice hairstyles on. So we get the hilarious visual joke of a little African-American girl putting on a blonde Carol Channing wig. Mm -hmm. Okay. But but what about the the joke? And the racist joke that comes. It's great. Did you you write it down? I did. I did too. She says, I'm going to let you do the thing. She says, I'll let you do the punchline. Somebody says, wow, Tootie, you you look just like Suzanne Somers. And then Molly, Molly Ringwald replies. I wrote it down somewhere, but see, unlike you, are, are, your, are, your, are your notes not organized there, Michael? No, they're not. Little, but little, I said little I wrote disorganizational uh, issue going on there. For, oh, foreign diplomats was a joke when they got there. Yeah. So oh, I stole blonde the joke with, from... Look at blonde with black roots. <laughs> written down. That was one of those, oh, and I'm cringing jokes. Right. Well, I may be jumping ahead, but while I'm focused on one of the Do few it. notes I wrote Do that it. I could read... Read, read. There is the time when Tootie, Tootie says... Tootie's a little African-American girl, right? Yes. Yeah. When Tootie says that her father's going to put her in a school in Washington mm-hmm. where the children of foreign diplomats uh, go and then she says my class picture will probably look like a UNICEF post no I missed that <laughs> oh my god I totally missed that oh see you were busy writing I was too busy writing something about the wallpaper while I was yeah. writing the important <laughs> stuff uh, they did not match the scenes properly in the I, uh, wallpaper. Those were the two best jokes in the in the um, thing. Was, wow. was the, I missed the UNICEF joke. Yes. Yeah, the glass picture is going to look like a UNICEF post. Yeah. Um, we also, just as another little sidebar, we have Chatty Molly is back. Molly Ringwald is Chatty Molly. She, in the backdoor pilot, they made her really chatty and talky. Uh-huh. And then in the first couple episodes, she doesn't and then now in the last this and i think the previous one we're getting back trying to get back to chatty molly uh-huh. and uh it's not gonna work they're gonna fire her oh, we know how this story yeah. ends poor molly ringwald um so and you didn't even know that was her right no, you didn't no. even know she was on the show um so we've got the girls sad and then the mrs garrett i'm gonna miss you sad moment yes and then the girls say wait a minute we have to present an argument. He's an attorney. We need to take the... Um, smartly. Another completely story arc that turns on a dime in yeah. about one sentence. But but smartly. They do say, to we, need to, take, brains, we yes. need to take all the emotion out of this and present him because basically he is, you know, he, he clearly isn't seen the emotional side. He's a man. And that's a very female they to male. They say they need to use their brains. And Tootie says something like, we'd be in trouble. Oh, yeah. Actually... <laughs> She says, if we need to use our brains, we're in trouble. Right, there you that go. Was her, that was her... We're in trouble. That was her catchphrase. Mm-hmm. And um, that premiered two episodes ago. 
They didn't do it this previous episode, so this is the second time. Am I wrong to assume that you actually can do all these girls' voices? You are wrong. Oh, I can't. I right now if I can... you decided to, <clears throat> you could. They're... I've already prepared people for a lot of bad Mrs. Garrett impressions from uh-huh. everybody because my my guests have been girls, well, we're going and Blair, Joe, so we're all we're all guilty that, of it. That's perfect. There it is. I but can't do. I don't I don't do all of them, and right now I'm barely able I'm barely able to do a David impression because my my voice is so fried. But um, anyway, we come to career day. It's now career day. The two speakers are speaking. Everyone is assembled in their folding chairs in the living room because you hold career day in the living mm-hmm. room of the girls' dorm. Right. And Tootie's father is droning on about the law and lawyers. And they, the girls attempt to waylay him with facts and um, trying to present it like a courtroom case. And um, uh, it, it doesn't go particularly well. And then Mr. Parker does step up to the... I'm sorry, Mr. Brad, Mr. Bradley steps up to the... Mr. Parker's later. Mr. Bradley does step up to the plate, and typically he's kind of the bumbling mm-hmm. male authority figure. He steps up and he says, now, wait a minute. I know you're taking her out of here, but you do realize all of our girls have a 90% college placement, all of this and that. He starts laying out some statistics of his own to mm-hmm. say, uh, you realize this school doesn't suck on paper. And to his credit, that's a very good, um, very good thing. He says, we're not just a bunch of rich, spoiled girls. And everyone looks at the rich, Blair, spoiled girl. Yeah. At Blair, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful moment. So Mrs. Garrett then says, can I see you in my chambers? It was a moment. I'll give you that. It was. <laughs> <laughs> but it was character-based, and we, we yeah, don't okay, get that right. very yeah. often here right. in this show. Um, and the argument that she posts, poses is, I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to be a ballerina, a scientist, a jockey. When I was 12, what did you want to be when you were 12? You didn't want to be a lawyer. And he's like, yes, I did. And Tootie's like, no, you didn't. Grandma says you always wanted to be a cowboy. And suddenly, well, change of heart. And she had a name for it. What was it? Um... Oh, crap, I didn't... I didn't write it down. I didn't... Uh, believe it or not, Michael, I, thought, I did not write, write it down either. Oh, I was counting on you. <laughs> I, I, I shirked my responsibilities. Um, I did make note of the fact that at one time, Tootie actually said scripted sheesh. Sheesh. Oh, you're right. Which you're right. really bugged oh, me. Oh, that's a painful. There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that throughout this season. Um, but Mrs. Garrett... In, in great Mrs. When she's in nurturing mother maternal mode, Charlotte Ray is the fucking bomb. Mm-hmm. And when she says, there she are so many actress. different people that Tootie is going to pass in and out of wanting mm-hmm. to be, let us help her, is what she says. And it's like, that's a pretty good argument. So she wins him over. And then we cut back to outside with the girls eavesdropping. And the door opens up. Tootie runs out. I'm staying. Credits roll. Right. No, immediately. No yeah. little epilogue. No little no. taglines. No tag jokes Nothing. like you'd expect. They were just like, oh, we're done. We're out. Show is over. Fucking roll the credits. And um, I did want to mention, just since I wrote it down with um, uh, quotes around it, um, advanced sassooning. Advanced. The, the act of being a cosmetologist. Right. We're going to major in advanced sassooning. Mm-hmm. That's definitely yeah. a period joke. Yes. Do we, is Vidal Sassoon, is that still a thing anywhere? Well, there's, there's still salons in, um, in, in um, New York. So, certainly, is there still a product line? Product? I don't know. Oh, I should know that. No, that sure. probably is. Um, yeah. I, I have no idea. I don't know that he's got any hair left to do any sassooning <laughs> with, but... So, uh, do you you have a? I know you have a Wanzie Graham a newsletter that you put out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Do you have a website where people could sign up and visit and find out all your projects? Well, <clears throat> you sh- I should, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> the website is under reconstruction uh, at the moment. But if you find me on Facebook, uh, W A N Z I E Michael, 
and just tell me you want to uh, sign up, I'll, I'll sign you up. But it goes out uh, usually on Thursdays. It went out this morning. Via email. Um, via email. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, this was fun. You'll be back for a subsequent season, I hope, when the oh show starts goodness. to get good. All right. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for coming. I look forward All to right. you coming back soon. All right. Maybe I'll have a Tupperware party. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Bring it. And there you have it. Michael is a colorful character. You could definitely use the word controversial to describe him in his unapologetic approach to his opinions, his activism, and his art. I'm just super happy that he was able to make the time to come on the show, and I I thank him very much for that. That is all for this week's Let's Face the Facts. Uh, We're going to go, here we go, same business, different show. Produced, edited, narrated, and hosted by me, David Almeida. Please spread the word, share, subscribe, rate, review. Visit the website, email me, follow and comment on social media. The website, Gmail account, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of it is under Face the Facts Pod. You need to drop the let's. Next week, I'll be watching and discussing Season 1, Episode 6, entitled Emily Dickinson, with my friend Brett Walden. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and remember, the facts of life are all about you. (laughs) 